This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, July 29th, or just another Corona 29th, Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with last-minute shopping specialist Jason Shepard. Okay, that is one thing I am not. I am not scrambling for stuff. However, we did get a nice and a a funny tweet that I think probably at some point we can all, I don't know, appreciate. Uh, Former BYU quarterback Jake Heaps last night tweeted out, Mm -hmm. and I quote, didn't realize uh, how exhilarating it was to complete my shopping list at Home Depot as Home Depot was closing. Brought me back to my playing days running a two-minute drill. Oh, yeah. You've never been in a two-minute drill at Home Depot or no. Target, Walmart, like, you, Sam's like Club? Somebody, you have somebody on the, on the loudspeaker, Home Depot was closing in two minutes. Please bring all of your final items up. You're closing in two like, So you got, you got to hustle. I, I get it. Here's what I'm most impressed by this. I love a good humble brag. That is a great humble brag that you can turn in a trip to the hardware store into reminding people that you were a quarterback. <laughs> the best two-minute drill that I saw Jake Heaps participate in was during his freshman campaign against the University of Utah yeah. in the final regular season game. He drove BYU at Rice-Cycle Stadium into field goal If only range. they had just kept going. In 2010. Yeah, they put they, on the brakes. They, they, they could have just scored a touchdown. They put on the brakes. Yeah, I remember that game. But I just remember being very impressed with his composure in that environment as a true freshman and giving BYU a legitimate chance to win that game and beat yes. what was then a ranked Utah team. Utah had no answer for BYU on that drive, and the Cougars just kind of stopped they settled for a field they goal said they, they went for the field goal and, and didn't make it and nope it got blocked <laughs> i have blocked that memory thank you and thus started <laughs> the nine game losing streak jason have you ever thought about that nope. jake it wasn't your fault you did your part hey, jake did his part drill. can't blame jake <laughs> Jake Clean did nothing up on wrong. Aisle five, <laughs> all my tears are flooding the store now. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I'll give you a one-minute drill on today's show lineup. How about that, Jason? Bring it. It begins with the number one training camp concern for BYU football. There's a lot there. Which concern tops the list? Plus, deep from the heart of SEC country, his name is Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News. He's been covering Alabama football. For longer than most of you have been alive, uh, what's the likelihood of a BYU-Bama matchup? And don't forget a double dose of the best to wear it, a Power 5 expansion draft that has Jason scoffing loudly and coaches on bikes hit some adversity. Oof. How about that one? I love, I love some drama. Yes. I got a little drama. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The ACC Board of Governors will meet today to discuss the topic of scheduling and possibility of following other Power 5 leagues in moving to conference-only schedules. Now, multiple sources say the ACC is also working on bringing Notre Dame 
which already has a scheduling agreement with the ACC into their conference for this upcoming season. Now, Stadium Sports' Brett McMurphy said he doesn't expect the ACC presidents to make a decision today on league scheduling format and may wait another week as officials are still discussing various scheduling options. McMurphy also expects the ACC, Big 12, and SEC to decide on a shorter schedule filled with mostly conference games. Fine. Play eight or nine conference games. Just leave that plus one there (laughs) for a team like BYU. You know what's going to come out of the meeting today, Jason? Exactly what you kind of alluded to there. More meetings? More meetings! We don't have to make a decision today, so who's cool with waiting? Just kick the can down the road a little bit. All right. Why not? BYU women's volleyball great Mary Lake, selected as the West Coast Conference's nominee for NCAA Woman of the Year. How about that? The award celebrates graduating female college athletes who have exhausted their eligibility and distinguished themselves in academics, athletics, service, and leadership. Lake, a three-time All-American and all-time digs leader at BYU, held a 3.68 grade point average as an accounting major. That's not just any major in any university, but especially at BYU. Well done, Mary. Yeah, if, uh, if I were in charge of this, she would win in a landslide. She's fantastic. Mary Lake is great. Former BYU basketball player Elijah Bryant and Maccabi Tel Aviv are the 2019-2020 Israel Winter League champions. They beat, oh boy, Maccabi Rishon Lezion. Lezion, 86-81. This is the 54th Israeli championship for Maccabi Tel Aviv. 54th championship? They just have championships left and right. Thought the Yankees' 27 World Series championships were a lot. Another championship, yawn. Good grief. Uh, by the way, Eli Bryant's locker is right next to Amari Stoudemire. How remember how that? good uh, Amari Stoudemire was I before the, the knee injury? I do remember the, that. That guy was dominant. Now he's winning championships in Israel. NCAA.com ranks the top 10 greatest upsets in NCAA volleyball tournament history. Repping at number five on the list. 2014 BYU women's volleyball. Shocking. Second-ranked Texas in the final four. What a run. In fact, I watched it in South Beach right before the Miami Beach Ball. And we have a piece of that sport court in Studio B from uh, the number five greatest upset in volleyball history, according to NCAA.com. Right there. It's autographed by all of the members of that team. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Cougar camp concerns. Jason, we could spend a year, if not longer, let alone a few minutes, discussing the overarching concerns of COVID-19 and how it has impacted sports as we know it, and specifically the future of college football. But let's micro-focus in on the future of BYU football in 2020 and what tops your list of uneasiness. Jason, what is your biggest concern going into BYU football fall camp 2020? I know you want me to push this to the side, but my biggest concern is whether or not there's going to actually be a season or not. Like, that scares me to death. (laughs) I mean, for crying out loud. That's the concern. But putting that aside, I'm going to go with an actual on-the-field concern. And the one that I'm going to go with is 
finding a way to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. BYU struggled to get consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks last season. And I realize that sacks don't tell the entire story, but that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU ranked 117th out of 130 FBS schools in sacks per game last season with 1.31. And again, I realize that it's not just about the sacks. It's QB rushes and hurries and just getting a hand up. So Pressure I, on the quarterback it's, it's, in general. It's just pressure in general, but sacks certainly is something you look at, and that's something that BYU was at the bottom of the FBS schools in last year. Will the BYU defense be able to find a way to get pressure this season? We saw that when they did, good things happened. But more times than not, it was an area of concern. So whether it's it's scheme, if there's a scheme change or something in terms of personnel, my biggest concern right now is what BYU's defense does to get consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks. It kind of feels like discussing any other concern other than whether or not a yes. college football season is going to happen. It's a moot point if they don't play. Silly. Yes. It's kind of like uh, you have been in a significant accident. Um, you're hemorrhaging blood and someone says, hey, um, how's your eye feeling? It, it looks a little beat up over, over here. Oh, I don't know. Um, you know your pants got a little dirty. My spleen's about to fall out. Yeah. Okay. Like, so I'm with you. Like the number one concern is, will there be any college football? But focusing in on the specifics of BYU football, I'm a little concerned about the mental capacity of the players. And this is not to say that these young men can't handle the stress and the anxiety of wondering if and when this is actually going to happen. But let's come on. It's hard. It's hard to focus on these little details when you're not sure if you're going to be able to stop the hemorrhaging and there is going to be college football at all. This is a group of hopeless football romantics who have been recently and significantly heartbroken by two Power 5 bachelors, stood up on five different dates, and left them wondering, who's going to love us? Now we're asking BYU to stay in the game and risk it all once again. Maybe it's the bombshell Bama, Jason. (laughs) Oh, baby. Yeah, the supermodel Bama wants to date BYU, or do they, or can they more like it, or any other Power 5 potential. So the focus of, can I stay just getting ready? Can I stay in my workout? Um, Can I get the little things done? All while this overarching question of, is it even going to happen is floating out there in the cosmos of college football. It's That's a tough challenge for anybody, let alone a college student who's thinking about classes, too. Am I going to be able to get my homework done? Are we going to have in-person yeah. uh, training and education? Like, There's so much uncertainty, so I admire what they're doing yes. right now. Just focusing on, okay, just one day at a time. I'm going to get my work out. I'm going to sit with my position coach. We're going to go through some details. I'm going to try and make myself better. But because all of this has been so crazy and ski-wampus, is that a word I can still use? Sure, do it. Okay. You just did. So. All right, ski-wampus. Uh, what's the chemistry going to be like when they all come back together? Look, there has never been a more appropriate time than right now for the cliche that we have heard forever, the – Got to take it one day at a time, one, one game at a time. It's so like th- that is not, there is nothing more appropriate 
than that right now for anything. You, you can't worry about other things. So you're right. I, the, the mental ability to stay focused Amazing. with all of these things around you, all of this uncertainty around you cannot be easy. Man, it can't. It's, it's, you know, some people say the, the Oregon football mantra is win the day. Right now, for all college athletes, it's win sometimes the minute. Yes. Win yeah. the minute. Because it's changing. Just stay in it. All right, topic number two, and it really is the million-dollar question. When will we know about college football? It's really the billion-dollar question, if you, if you want to be accurate. Everyone, and for our purposes, BYU, waiting on others to make decisions before they can decide how they will proceed with the season. But when will that actually happen? Spencer, how long do you think BYU will have to wait to know who and when they will play? Oh, this is the question of questions, right? For every college football, if you know the answer, and team and coach, please tell me. I wish I did know the answer, and we've asked several high-level ranking college football personalities this very question, and they all say the same thing that we're thinking. I have no idea, but Jason, reading the cards, it feels like you have to have at least at least four weeks before the first game is supposed to happen of time to prepare if and when you're going to play in that season-opening game, whenever that is. So for BYU, if it's September 5th against Alabama or Alabama-Birmingham, for all I care, if it's September 5th, you're looking at right around August 9th, 10th, something like that where it's, okay, that's the drop-dead date. We're a week into August. We have to decide – if this season is going to start on September 5th, and if it's not, then you would still think that even on that at that day, you have to decide, okay, it's going to be a delayed start, and we're yeah. going to start September 12th. So I feel like a week into August is as late as we can push this thing because you have to give athletes time for their health, not just physical, but their mental health to prepare and yeah. get ready for all of this. In a situation that makes no sense, I realize that this next – comment will make no sense <laughs> having an answer by next week would seem to make sense <laughs> yes it would seem to make sense just looking at the timeline and realizing that the decision can't be pushed much further for reasons that you just mentioned to give these guys ample time to prepare for an opponent whoever that will be it's dangerous it's potentially dangerous yes. having having an answer by next week makes a lot of sense we know that the ACC is meeting today the SEC is going to meet tomorrow and those meetings as we mentioned in our headlines according to Brad McMurphy is to are to discuss things not necessarily to make decisions but to get further down the road to making a decision so it sounds like that they're going to meet early again next week where you would assume then at that point a decision is made and before we went on the air today I saw speaking of Brett McMurphy he tweeted out that the Big 12 is going to have their uh, virtual media day coming up on Monday. Sure. And a lot of people may look at that and say, well, well, who cares? It's media day. To me, that's a big deal. We have seen, and, and BYU's done the same thing, postponing these media days because there's just not any answers to questions. To me, seeing that the Big 12 is going to have their media day on Monday, why would you do that? Why would you put your league out there to have to answer questions that you don't know answers to? Does that, does that mean that they expect to have an answer by Monday? That, may, that, that leads me to believe that they think something may happen by early next week. If they're willing to put themselves out there 
So to me, I think once once those decisions are made, we already know Tom Homo said he has A, B, and C, D, all these scenarios out there. Once those decisions are made, BYU can go with whatever scheduling situation is going to be appropriate, whether it's against teams that are going to have full schedules, whether it's going to be indie, whether it's going with other G5s. So next week just makes so much sense to have an answer to these questions. It has to happen. Let the SEC lead out with their proposed eight plus one or plus two schedule. Right. Hopefully the Big 12, I think the Big 12 is like, we're going to play 12 games. Uh. Okay, calm down. Uh, let let them lead, let the SEC lead out, Big 12 ACC follow, and hopefully BYU is a beneficiary of that. Uh, Agreed. But if it's going to happen on September 5th, you got to give them four weeks. Like I, August 7th to me, it feels like the drop dead date. August 7th, next Friday. Next week is massive for this. Let's for college go. football in general, next week is going to be massive. Our question of the day What is your biggest concern? Going into BYU football fall camp. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Twiggy or Stone, friend of the program, in on Twitter to start things off. If there will actually be a season, we are all seeing how well the start of baseball is going. Hashtag BYUSN. Uh, Jason, your beloved baseball. Hey, all it's one team, okay? And what? It's let, one team. On, let's be honest. I listen. I don't want to. offend And it literally anybody. is almost the whole team. I don't want to offend. It's just one team. Any Miami Marlins fans? But would Major League Baseball would it would it be terrible? Just be like, hey, get healthy, hey. get better. But we're just going to continue on with the rest of the league. Hey, we're going to go ahead and move on without you. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I, I let's, like let's, the Marlins. Let's, let's be honest. You weren't going to do anything anyway, anyway this year. <laughs> if you're cool with it, we're just gonna we're just gonna move on. Then get healthy and then come back and you can you can play the rest of the games. You're just not going to qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs. Yeah, they weren't going to qualify for the playoffs anyway. Exactly. Don't worry about come it. Come on. All right, coming up, best to wear it. One of them coming from one of the first families of BYU football. Let's take this conversation deep into the heart of SEC country. With Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News. What's the impression of BYU for Bama fans, and what's the likelihood of that game actually happening this BYU Sports Nation? Can we not bring up filet of fish BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern at 9 a.m. Pacific on BYU Radio and is on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline a man who has been covering Alabama football since before BYU's national championship. Yep, 1982. His name is Cecil Hurt, sports editor from the Tuscaloosa News. Cecil, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hi, guys. Um, I appreciate being on with you. Cecil, I counted nine different Alabama head football coaches that you have worked with over your time covering the Crimson Tide. Is that accurate? It is. Uh, some were pretty brief, <laughs> but um, it's, been a, it's been relatively quiet on that front for the last 12 years. A lot going on. But. Understandably with Nick Saban there. Uh, now, Cecil, it's not often we talk with somebody that was – covering college football when BYU won their national championship. So uh, let's start there first. In 1984, <laughs> what do you remember about the 
Uh, unknown BYU Cougars and Lavelle Edwards winning that controversial national championship. Yeah, I remember watching the Holiday Bowl. I was not an AP voter that year. I have been an AP voter from time to time, uh, but I was not a voter in that season. But, um, yeah, it was it was uh, different, you know, that, that a, a team from what I guess then was the WAC um, would, would win it. But, uh, obviously – uh, coach Edwards is a great coach, had a great quarterback, and I did I did watch that holiday bowl. See, so before we get to the possibility of BYU facing Alabama, what's the latest regarding when the SEC plans to make a decision on whatever they intend to do this season? Well, they're having a teleconference today. I don't anticipate that they'll have an announcement today. There's still um, some issues I think that they want to work out. I would think by the time that practice, actual NCAA mandated football practice starts next week, I would think it's only fair um, to the players, if if no one else, to let the players know what exactly it is that they're practicing for, whether they're going to have an on-time start, a September 5th start. Uh, I I think that – Certainly, fans want to know, but I think I think at some point it becomes a fairness issue to the players because uh, they have to decide whether to, to opt out. They have to decide, um, you know, what their practice. They need to know what their practice schedule is going to be if they're not going to start until October. If they're only going to play nine games, or if they're going to play twelve and need to be ready on September the fifth, uh, they need to know those things. And and I think that in, in all of this. In all of this, I think the players get lost a little bit sometimes, but they need to know. Cecil Hurt, sports editor from the Tuscaloosa News on BYU Sports Nation. Cecil, it feels like to us in Provo, Utah, and I'm sure many others across the country that watch college football closely, that the SEC is driving the hope of the future of college football. Do you feel like it is the SEC potentially leading out and then everybody else following? Well, if it is, and that may be, although I'm sure the Big Ten would would argue with you, but of the of the remaining uh, three Power Five conferences, certainly when they make a decision, whether it's a unified decision, whether it's a cooperative decision, which I think is more likely than a single one size fits all plan, um, you know, the SEC has a lot of a lot of power, generates a lot of revenue. And so I, I think that the other two leagues that remain in Atlantic Coast and the Big 12 are, are waiting to see a little bit. But, um, you know, if you, I would say of all the Power Five conferences, you know, the, the SEC is the likeliest to want for, for a variety of reasons, um, some of which are political and most of which are economic. Um, I would say that the SEC is the likeliest to try and play as many games as possible, it just may not be possible. But you're talking about $2 billion. It's <laughs> a lot of money, Cecil. No, that's, that's a B. Yeah, that, that is a B in that. Yeah, so. Two, right. two billion on the table. <laughs> There's so much money involved. And look, and that's something that, you know, everybody knows is there, but a lot of people just don't want to talk about. There's a lot of yeah. money on the line, and that is driving so many of the decisions on whether or not there's a college football season and how and how long it will be. 
Right. That's not – by the way, that figure is not all across college. That's the SEC. Oh. That's the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Alabama's operating budget last year athletically was $186 million. And while they're on the upper end of the SEC, if you just take a round figure of $150 million, multiply it by 14 members, uh, you've got $2.1, million, $2.1 billion dollars being discussed here and um, not every dollar of that would go away but it would be possible that that if even with an abbreviated schedule with limited uh, attendance say 20 percent just to throw a number out there uh, you could be looking at at a billion dollars in losses just from that depending on how the tv contracts prorated out and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But you could be looking at at um, that would be an upper end figure, but certainly um, seven hundred and fifty million wouldn't be out of the ballpark by any stretch. Wow, the numbers are just absolutely crazy, Cecil. The the BYU facing Alabama news uh, that the right. two have talked that's been out there now for yeah. a little while. H- has there been any uh, movement on an agreement? Where do things stand between those two schools as of today? Well, I think what you have is, I, I, I think they have talked. Um, I think that that given certain decisions by the SEC, including a 12-game September 5th start, uh, that, that I hate to say an agreement in principle because there's a legal ramification to that, but... I think that the two institutions would probably be on the same page if that's what happens. Even, and I think I think um, it's not been easy for Alabama to to find a replacement for Southern Cal. That's why this is going on because the Pac-12 went to league only, and Alabama lost a neutral site game with with Southern Cal and a six million dollar payday there. Um, so. It's it's a situation where not not every team in America, not every coach in America, let me put it that way, um, is looking at their schedule and say, hey, we can play Alabama in the opener. That would work for me. Um, some people don't want to do that. Um, I think BYU'd certainly be willing to step up and play and be excited about that opportunity. So, so I think that there's a, a – good possibility that it'll happen but i can't say oh it's it's a done deal because nothing's a done deal until the sec says this is what we're going to do this is what our time frame is this is our model uh but I, I think even even if it goes to a plus one model of some type um that 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 would probably be a pretty likely option for for alabama and i think that byu would uh, which is is my understanding is they're they're really scrambling for some games because of cancellations. Um, that, that that would be it'd be a televised game. It would be a, a marquee, particularly if they play on the fifth. Uh, I don't think that they would get the six million dollar guarantee out of Dallas. I think that you know to play in front of a twenty percent full stadium. 
Um, I don't, so I don't think the, for that reason and logistical reasons, I think it'd be likelier to be in Tuscaloosa than in, than in Dallas. Sure. And, and we kind of uh, got that impression just based on testing protocols and the comforts of home and, and being able to secure those environments. So that wouldn't be a shocker. Uh, but Cecil, let's uh, go here. Gauging Alabama fans since this news broke, and you can be as unfiltered as you want. Don't worry about hurting BYU feelings. What, no. do, what do the average Alabama fans think of a matchup with BYU in place of, you know, a traditional power like USC? Well, uh, certainly uh, the way they're scheduled in the future and, and the scheduled policy here now, the, the home and homes that they have upcoming are Texas, Notre Dame. Ohio State and Florida State, et cetera. Um, so, so that's what they look for first in scheduling. But they also have a series with Arizona. They have a series with West Virginia, um, Wisconsin, maybe a, a tier above. They've got one with, with Wisconsin. Uh, so, so it wouldn't be, you know, particularly for a home game. I think, first of all, Alabama fans just want to play. And, you know, if it was, if it was anybody, you know, if, (laughs) if Radcliffe decides to run 11 girls out there and play, they'd want to play. So uh, I think there's a respect. BYU has been here before, um, played here in 2001. And so I think that there's a a respect level uh, between the two programs and uh, not 2001, that was UCLA, 1998, but um, there's a respect level between the two programs, and I think that would be fine. I, I haven't heard a lot of, oh, it's just BYU, if that's what you're asking. So now, obviously, we know this is fluid. If we've learned anything over the last five yeah. months is you can't count on anything from one hour can't to the next. On, can't count on anything, and I can't tell you anything about what what the – COVID rates in Alabama are going to be in September. They're not great. They're, they're not great right now. Let me just be honest. Well, t- keeping that in mind, we're not going to hold you to this. But as we sit here and talk with you today, what is your best guess as to what the SEC will ultimately decide to do, and who will Alabama face in Week One? As of today, what's your gut feeling? Uh, again, those are all hard, and they're all con- my best guess would probably be an eight plus one. Um, eight conference games plus one, either starting on the fifth and having additional open dates or, or pushing a start date back a couple of weeks. And, and again, some of that, BYU may be affected by some of that if that changes the schedule. But I think Alabama would, would work to find a spot. Uh, so I think that they would play in an eight plus one because I don't think there's another necessarily another power five. Now, again, that could change. You know, somebody could somebody could step up and say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to pair up with the Big 12 or whatever. But I would, I would think that that's uh, probably – it's not the only possibility, but I would think it's probably the most realistic possibility. So an eight-plus-one and the first opponent Alabama faces is who? Well, uh, again, if it's on the fifth, it would – you know, be be BYU or or um, somebody that they could find available on the fifth. So uh, I think BYU is certainly in that in that um, equation at this point. But um, again, it, it's just uh, 
I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything because people, people then say, oh, well, you know, Seal said that it was going to be BYU. I don't know because nobody knows for sure. I think that those discussions have taken place. I think that's a, one, of the, one of the stronger possibilities that's on the table. Um, if, it, if that's it, that's great. Um, and we'll just have to – other than that, though, we just have to wait until the SEC – Presidents can get together and, and have a plan and a schedule plan that they agree on and and go with it. So we'll see. Cecil, I hope our paths. I, I mean, I really hope our paths cross on September fifth at Bryant Denny Stadium. My fingers are crossed for that. We appreciate your time today, and uh, here's to hopefully more college football. Yeah, I think everybody that that loves college football wants that. You know, not everybody wants it, and I understand. I respect people. Who, who don't want schools open, who don't want, you know, it, it's going to be different, whatever it is. But, and, and sports writers, sports casters, we have an economic interest in it too. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I think just, uh, even just sitting around and, and having a baseball game to turn on this week has been good psychologically and i think that college football particularly in this part of the country but but i'm sure in salt lake city too in provo uh that's important to people and so um i I hope that they can work it out and it is safe for everybody and that we're seeing college football this fall yeah amen cathartic for sure cecil great to talk with you thanks for the time sure glad to do it cecil heard on the deseret first credit union hotline deseret first you know why we show how Great stuff in that interview. Can't wait to see what happens. And we're all we're all in holding pattern, right? Yeah. Yeah. Coming up, where does BYU end up in the P5 expansion draft? Yeah, that's something. And we continue with our double play of the best to wear it. 65 and 66 up today. And uh, number 66, she could rake this BYU Sports Nation. For Cougar Sports game highlights, interviews, and archived content, subscribe to the BYU TV Sports YouTube channel today. That is Jason. I'm Spencer. And this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Athletics News. The ACC Board of Governors will meet today to discuss the topic of scheduling and the possibility of following other Power 5 leagues in moving to conference-only schedules. Multiple sources say... The ACC is also working on bringing Notre Dame, who they already have a scheduling agreement with, into the conference for this upcoming season. Also, Stadium Sports Brett McMurphy says he doesn't expect the ACC presidents to make a decision today on league scheduling format and may wait another week as officials are still discussing various scheduling options. McMurphy also expects the Big 12 and SEC to decide on a shorter schedule filled with mostly conference games. Volleyball. BYU women's volleyball great Mary Lake selected as the WCC's nominee for NCAA Woman of the Year, the award celebrating graduating female athletes who have exhausted their eligibility and distinguished themselves in academics, athletics, service, and leadership. Lake, three-time All-American, all-time digs leader at BYU, had a 3.68 GPA as an accounting major. On those lines of volleyball talk, NCAA.com ranks the top 10 greatest upsets in NCAA volleyball tournament history and repping at number five on the list, none other than your 2014 BYU women's volleyball team who shocked second-ranked Texas 
in the Final Four on their way to a national championship appearance. Remember watching that game in South Beach. Cougars in Pro Hoops. Former BYU basketball player Elijah Bryant and Maccabi Tel Aviv are the 2019-2020 Israel Winter League champions. They beat Maccabi Rishon Lezion, nailed it, 86-81. This is the 54th Israeli championship for Maccabi Tel Aviv. We're going to need our Israeli basketball expert to dial in and confirm if indeed Jason did nail that pronunciation. If I did not... Please don't tell me. <laughs> hey, we're counting up to 99 in our best to wear it feature. One or two numbers each show and determining the best athletes to rock each digit at BYU. Today, a two for one special with 65 and 66. Number 65, Dallas Reynolds. You know the name. 2005 to 2008 for BYU football. Started all 51 games in his BYU career. In 2008, he was an All-Mountain West Conference first team. Also in 2008, an Outland Trophy candidate, as well as the Lombardi Award candidate. Spent four years in the National Football League, 2012 with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then 2013 through 2015 with the New York Football Giants. Solid. At number 66, BYU softball superstar Yanetta Leahy. Between 03 and 2006, Netta was unbelievable. Three-time Easton All-American, two-time Mountain West Conference Player of the Year in 04 and 06, four-time All-MWC player, played professionally two years with the Akron Racers. Late you second all-time at BYU in career RBI, third in total bases, fifth in total hits, fifth in career home runs of 44, had a career, career batting average of 367, second in doubles, second in career slugging percentage at 654. Not surprisingly, Jason, she was a no-brainer inductee into the BYU Athletics Hall of Fame in 2016. The screen says it best. Lei legend. Two very, uh, look, they very deserving athletes for number 65 and number 66. I love that she wore number 66 in softball. Why not? I know. Double six is the, it's the unorthodox number. Started, yes. It's starting to become more and more frequent now. Like there's, there's, there's a player on the jazz who's going to get time. He wears like 88 or 81. Like the the kids these days. How do the, how do the referees signal that when they're making a foul? You know where it started? Started with Rodman, ninety one. Went with ninety one back, yeah, in the in the mid nineties. No, like that's the first one I remember that was a a a different number than what you're used to. One of these high like eighties and nineties numbers. What about George Murison, number seventy seven, or was that Manute Bowl? Manute Bowl was seventy seven. George Murison was in a movie with. <laughs> With Billy Crystal. Or is he just seven foot seven? I can't remember. Yeah. What was that movie that with Billy Crystal? I can't even remember. <laughs> yes. Who was the it? The Love Story. Yes. Forget Paris. Forget, forget Paris. <laughs> yes. Boy, are we dating ourselves. Oh, yeah. All right. Yep. Coming up, Coaches on Bikes, day three. Plus, BYU, the ninth pick in a mock Power 5 expansion draft. What is this blasphemy, Jason? I love it. Whatever it is, bring it. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Summer baseball is on BYU Radio and BYUcougars.com. Utah College League Baseball back at it tonight featuring players from BYU and the other in-state schools. I will have the call for you tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time on BYUcougars.com and the BYU Cougars app live summer baseball. After which Jason will go home and watch Forget Paris. With Billy Crystal and Deborah, Deborah Winger. Winger. And your boy, George Murison, who you correctly said wore yes. number 77. He wore number 77. Manute Bull is 77. Yes. But he wore number 10. Ye- 10? That just he, wore, a, he wore that number 10. That just doesn't sound George right. George Murison wore number 77. Yes. Yes. Forget I was so Paris. disappointed in that romantic comedy when I was in sixth grade yeah. going to the theater, expecting it to be a basketball movie. Yeah, we'll go mid-90s Billy Crystal movie trivia, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> City slickers for 400. Okay, moving on to things that actually matter, Jason. Uh, like the athletics. Stuart Mandel. Been on the program a number of times. He just released his, quote, what if the Power Five held an expansion draft of group of five teams, end quote, article. And he said, by the way, in parentheses, I'm writing this for Jason Shepard. He wrote this specifically for me. Uh, His mentions are going to be hot with BYU fans. That is for sure. Okay. A snake draft, okay, two-round snake draft. The draft order begins with the Big Ten, Jason. So, a lot of this is regional, but still, you would think, because you're Jason Shepard, yes. BYU is going to be a top three pick, right? Uh, I would think they should be a top three pick. The number one pick from the Big Ten, who drafts first, they take Cincinnati. To me, that makes sense. Look, I, I don't have an issue with that. I, I do not have an issue with that. Okay. Big 12 at number two. Here it is. Right, Here we Jason? go. This is where, this is where we is. hear our name call. Here we go. UCF. Oh, boy. Football only. Oh, boy. We're turning into uh, Aaron Rodgers here. They want the the Orlando TV market. We're in the green room. We're waiting. (sighs) Okay. Pick number three, the SEC. Well, BYU is not going to go to the SEC. They go with SMU. Okay. I mean, uh, it's fine. Look, it's fine. BYU (laughs) has a better. Yeah. All right. It's fine. All right. ACC picking fourth. Again, BYU not regional. I have an issue with this one. USF. Yeah, I have an issue with, me? with South Florida being taken ahead of BYU. They now, did I understand beat BYU last year. I'm ignoring that fact. <laughs> I do not want to. Again, I'm blocking that out, okay? I get that ACC, it's a regional. You, yeah, I, I, under, I understand it from that point, but if you're picking just based off of teams, program, history, okay. all, you're not taking USF over BYU. Okay, so. BYU was clearly skipped over with the Big 12's first pick. At number five, okay. the Pac-12 comes into play, Jason. All right, All right. have they here, changed their mind? Comes, have right? they changed their mind? The here Pac-12. we go. And they go with Boise State. Ah, yes, that research institution known as Boise State. Boise State is Look. the fifth pick to the Pac-12? Okay, Okay, but they're probably, but see, they had back-to-back picks. So they could go either way. They're probably going to go... Boise State, BYU. Regional ties, right? Because it really doesn't matter. You have back-to-back picks. The budding rivalry is there. That makes sense. BYU and Boise State going to the Pac-12, right? right? Here comes BYU. Number six out of the Pac-12. Here we go. San Diego State. What? (laughs) Again, ignoring that they beat BYU last year. (laughs) Hey, BYU beat Boise State last year, Yes, yes. Okay, I have an issue with the Pac-12 choosing San Diego State over BYU. And I guess it's State? Yes, but, like, it's fine. I, I can deal with the Boise State more than I can deal 
with the San Diego State. If you want to just keep it in California, then that makes sense. More in San Diego, I, I get it. I get that part of it. But in terms of a program, San Diego State is not a better program than BYU. I'm sorry. It's just not. Number seven. Okay, and this is where the snake draft order hurts This is you. where they're literally just pouring salt in the wound. <laughs> well, We've come to that point. It's the ACC picking seventh and the SEC number eight. So, again, BYU's out of it, man. They're just not close enough. The ACC goes with Appalachian State. Okay, that's 100 a regional pick. That's fine. That's, I get it from that perspective. Okay, the SEC I, uh, with the eighth pick. They choose the Memphis Tigers. <sighs> Can we just say when BYU is getting picked? <laughs> Please. At number nine, back to the Big 12. Oh. Finally. Oh. Finally. We're coming off the board. They draft the BYU Cougars football only. But see, and here's what. I The post-expansion uh, draft uh, press conference from Bob Bowlesby is we couldn't believe they were there at number nine. <laughs> like they were, they were in our top three on our draft board. Like, I couldn't believe it. We feel like we got, between UCF and BYU, we got, we figured we got two top three picks. (laughs) Both football only. Uh, Mandel says of BYU, tough call between BYU and Houston, but the Utah school has an international fan base and a 63,000-seat stadium. Yes, which should have been the determining factor, not just against Houston, but against other teams like Memphis, like Appalachian State, like San Diego State, like Boise State. Like USF. The ACC goes with USF. Stop it. Look at what the ACC picks up. Boy, they got hosed. USF and App State. Are you not going to mention who uh, was the 10th pick? Oh, yeah. The University of Toronto by the Big Ten. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know there was a University of Toronto. (laughs) Some tongue-in-cheek humor there for sure. Yes. Oh, I love late July banter. I love where BYU ended up in the Big 12. They should have been the first should have, They should have been much right? higher. Right, they Jason? should have been much higher. Just another chip on the shoulder, look, Jason. But the Big 12, couldn't believe they were still there. Big 12 still mad about Texas and Oklahoma uh, going combined one and four against BYU all time. <laughs> right? Sure. Sure, that's why. <laughs> Great. Coming up, a rise and shout-outs. We're going to go to the bubble for that one. And day three of Coaches on Bikes, BYU football secondary coaches Preston Hadley and Gennaro Guilford run into some adversity. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation rolls on. Here's your daily reminder. Yeah, I know. I'm going to do it again. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you can download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Time to segue to our latest edition of BYU Football's Coaches on Bikes. That's so great. Out of a little adversity. At the end of the day yesterday, someone, someone is trying to sabotage us and leaving nails in the street. I got a flat tire. Yeah, my road bike is out of commission, but it don't stop. I got a mountain bike. Life lessons. A little now is not going to stop this movement. You know, the so BYU great. pass defense is in good hands with that type of dedication. 
Preston Hadley, Gennaro Guilford are all in on this bike movement. Flat tires or not, they want all the smoke. You think maybe Alabama sent out an advanced scout? It's like putting nails down just in case. <laughs> Coaches on bikes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Our question of the day. Not dealing with coaches on bikes, but rather your biggest concern going into BYU football fall camp. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Rubioso BYU on Twitter. And I quote, if one or more players, coaches, test positive, how will the team prepare for a game, especially if those players are starters and the first game is against a behemoth in Alabama? Hashtag BYUSN. That's a really good question. What are the protocols if some of your stars test positive and cannot make the trip or cannot play in that game, Jason? Does BYU, as a private institution, keep it private? Do they just say they're out with a sickness? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are unknown in terms of how that part of it. And honestly, that's not been talked about a whole lot is how this stuff yeah. will be reported. And is it going to be a universal thing across college football or is each institution going to have their own way of handling it? That's one of the things that probably doesn't get talked about or hasn't been brought up uh, very much at all is how that's going to play out. It is interesting how that work, how will that will work. Man, and then what, how many, uh, like, is it just the position room? So like if a player gets it, then is it just that position room that's required right. to yeah. be retested or how are they going to track all that? It's just crazy. It's crazy. This whole situation is crazy. This is why I'm I'm thinking that more often than not, like people are going to try and keep this under wraps, Jason. They don't want to mess things up for their players. As reckless as that sounds, people are going to be afraid to say something when and if major sports at the college level get going again. They, Especially they're, if they're asymptomatic. They're not going to want to slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Today's rise and shout out. Speaking of positive tests. Yeah. And this is a positive negative. It's Positive because it's negative. Yes. The NBA releasing its most recent numbers on the uh, coronavirus tests of all of the NBA players and everybody in the bubble. Uh, out of 344 people tested at the Orlando campus since the last results, July 20th, zero. None. That's great news. Zero positive tests. That's fantastic. And that gets our rise and shout out That's today. Great news. All right. Our thanks to today's guest, Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News, who discussed the COVID scenario, BYU-Bama. If you missed that conversation, download the podcast. It does seem like we're going to have, hopefully, some answers within a week, right, with all these conferences meeting. I'm telling you, August 7th, August 8th. I'm telling you. That has to be the drop-dead date. Speaking of conversations, they continue 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason Shepard, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout-out to Byron Frisch. We'll see you tomorrow on BYUSN. Go Cougs.